Good morning. A little different, huh? <laughs> Just thought it might wake you up. I don't know. Hey, we sent out an email this week, and we want to apologize. Time changes next weekend, okay? So, uh, hey, this, this is the good one, though, you know, where you fall. Yeah, yeah, it means you sleep. Okay, fall back. Spring, that's kind of tough, but this one you fall back. That's next weekend. We got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Here we are this weekend, part two in a grace series, Scandalous Grace. Everybody loves a good scandal, don't they? <laughs> no, don't answer that. You go to the grocery store and you see those uh, noteworthy publications. You're in the checkout, you see all this stuff, and maybe you glance, maybe you don't, maybe you buy it, I don't know. We'll, we'll have prayer for that a little bit later. But their scandals are a big deal. They always have been, they always will be. Um, you look and you wonder. And you know, when you think about the word scandalous, you just think, man, this is going to be really earth-shattering. It's going to be bad. Yeah, somebody's going to get busted. Somebody's going down. Somebody's fixing to fall from power. And that's certainly all part of the scandals that we know of. So then I go, you know, scandalous grace. Uh, a, a great writer several years ago wrote about uh, Philip Yancey about grace, and he, and he wrote about the specific thing, scandalous grace. And I just been, I've always loved that title, and I've just been digging and praying and working through it. And I thought, man, who, grace, well, grace is scandalous, isn't it? Because not in a bad way. Scandalous means basically this, public outrage, but shocking, overwhelming. And if I know of one person that shocked the world, his name was Jesus. He turned the religious leaders in the temple upside down he overwhelmed them he grew in popularity and power and they could not stand it they didn't want to share the limelight with this king the messiah so there is a place if you will in your hearts and mind for scandalous grace right there in the lineage of the old in the old testament and you sit in the new testament there's a woman that we read about her name is rahab and you know what rahab's profession was she was a Okay, well, I, maybe I should uh, tell y'all what letter it starts with. I was afraid somebody would yell a word out. Okay. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She was a bad girl. Y'all don't have to leave. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Those are our teenagers. They don't have to leave. Like, I want the little kids, like, you know. They're going to teach the little ones. Okay. Yeah, this is the thing. It's fifth Sunday. We thought we'd bring the kids in, and I thought, I don't know if they need to be in here during Scandalous Grace, Okay. Like, I can just see the conversations y'all are having. You know, let's go back to this, thinking about scandals and uh, presenting positions. Facebook. Facebook is that wonderful tool that cursed, I mean, that wonderful tool that communicates so many things. And so many times there's highlight reels on Facebook. And for so many of us, you want to present the best image of you. And sometimes you read Facebook. And does anybody ever get depressed but me when you read Facebook? It's like people are perfect. Things are just so great, and they're projecting this image so many times. But then there's another side of Facebook that's just the opposite. It's whining and complaining and negativity and slashing and bashing. And I'm just thinking here this morning, this whole grace thing. So I want you to write right there across the top of your outline the big idea. His scandalous grace changes everything. I just want that to sink in this morning. The grace of Jesus, that scandalous grace of Christ, 
It literally changes everything. It's that unmerited, unearned, unbelievable, overwhelming love of the Father in Christ that just changes hearts. He's been changing hearts for centuries. And I love how Christ exhibits his grace as he walked and how he loved sinful people. How he loved people like you and how he loved people like me. And that somehow Jesus said they can be on equal footing. That the ground at the foot of the cross is level and I invite all to come there. I love sinners. I'm a, I'm a God for sinners. And he, his love just changes. His, his grace changes uh, circumstances his his grace changes marriages it changes relationships it changes places of businesses it changes school it changes the ball team when the grace of god gets operational in a group in a community of people and people want it right now turn on the news and you just like we got this scandal and that scandal and and this scandal will rise up and then you know the thing about america it'll rise up but you don't have to worry because in a little while longer somebody else will really mess up and they'll turn all the light over here and the light will be on them i've often wondered you know y'all don't know this but i have kind of a secret obsession that there's a part of me that would love to be political i love my number one calling to be a preacher to proclaim righteousness i love that but there's something about the political scene that i would like to go in and try to make things better and yet sometimes you think yeah but everything you do man there's a light and i learned a long time ago when you have a public ministry you're in the light not just the light here people judge you uh, people have told me man we judge you hard we judge you all the time do you want to see the notebook we've been writing on you I go, man, that's not very fair. I, Donna still remembers the day that I walked into a meeting and somebody had a, a CD player wrapped up. They had it queued up to the exact place of something I said and they wanted to come against me. And, and, and that's a little scary when everything you say is recorded. And, 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 and so they said, here, we're just going to play just a little bit. It was on a cassette tape that tells you how long it goes. It was. And, and they played it. And then what happened is some other elders rose up and said, no, you didn't listen to it in context. This is what he said. I went, wow. And it really scared me. I thought, wow, everything that I say is weighed heavily. But you know what? Your words, maybe nobody records them, but God knows them and they're important. And this grace of Christ, I, this, when I read Gospels, I see that Jesus was just amazed with people, that he loved sinful people. He loved to hang out with sinful people. And you know, if we're transparent this morning, we'll say, you know, I don't know how much I love hanging out with a simple crowd as I grow in Christ. And, and understand there's a part that we need the community of faith and we need people to strengthen and edify us and exhort us in our faith of Christ. Th hear me, that's in my heart, that's your heart, that's what it needs to be. But if we're not careful, we get so far away from the, the broken, messed up, messy world that they need the touch of Jesus. And that's in us. And, and yet, I, I, I've been, as I was preparing this message this week, I just been thinking, about, Lord, I need you to send me to some messy places. I, I'm around Christian people and people that profess faith and people that will think about faith and people that have fallen from faith and come back to faith. But I thought, you know, in my church office, everybody's a Christian. Okay, I thought that was funny. Okay, but anyway. I mean, they should be. I mean, their own staff here means they're a follower of Jesus. In, in your office, I bet you can't go, everybody in my office is a Christian. Now, you're saying, well, I teach at a Christian school. Well, there's a good chance you might have all Christians there. That's awesome. But you have some students that come that aren't, okay? But in our places of business, in our places of going to school, we, we're just, we're desperate. We're despised many times. I like what Mark 6.34 says. When Jesus went to shore, 
He saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were messed up. And it goes on to say, Ah, the shepherds of Israel, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound them up, the lost you have not sought, with force and harshness you ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And I just say, Jesus, would you be our good shepherd? Chris told us you're a good father, and you are. But would you be a good shepherd? That's one of my goals in life is to be a good shepherd, is I lead and serve you. I, I want to be a shepherd that cares for you and, and prays for you and honors you and, and comes alongside and teaches you and equips you with the riches of Christ. That, that's my, my calling. But then that's your calling as a Christ follower that you begin to speak into each other's lives and you begin to help their load be a little lighter and a little more encouraging as, as we go. Because so many times in scripture and today we see people that are leaderless and they're directionless. They, they don't have any direction. They're just kind of bouncing around. And if I know anything, I know that we need direction. And the church said, we need guidance. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit today and every day. So Jesus gives grace to the weary. But right here in the middle of your outline today, I want you to turn it over. Some of you pick it up for the first time. Will you, will you, will you pick that up? Show, it, show me that you have them. I want to see them. Pick them up. Yeah, good. And some of you don't have them. What are you doing? Okay. Look right there in the center from the message. I want to read this to you. I love this from Eugene Peterson, the contemporary idiom of the Scripture. It's Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9 to 13. Passing along, Jesus saw a man in his work collecting taxes, and his name was Matthew. And Jesus said to him, Come along with me. And Matthew stood up and he followed him. And later when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. And when the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and they lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus overhearing shot back, Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. And I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not to coddle the insiders. Now, you've read that passage probably in your NIV or New American or whatever translation that you prefer. But I thought here, I just like the way Eugene took a few liberties, but he used some words like, yeah, coddling these insiders, acting cozy with crooks and and scum. And, And what I see here is Jesus goes after Matthew. Matthew is not a love guy in the community. He's a guy that's a, uh, you know, he, Jesus really, in this section, he offers Jesus a position. There's a job offer. The offer is disciple, disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus offers Matthew. But Matthew's already kind of turned his back on the, uh, the Jewish religion, so to speak, and he's not going to be a rabbi. You see, in, in early days of Jewish history, little boys would grow up in their homes and, and they, would, they would begin to memorize, uh, memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. And, and they, would, they would raise them up. And if you were really, really smart, and if you were really good, and you could memorize, and you had this Torah, this law down, you would be promoted. You got to go to rabbi school. Well, Matthew's already turned away. He's not in rabbi school, okay? He's in tax collector prison. I mean, he's in tax collector school. I mean, he's, just, he's not really super liked here. And he, so he's a, but Jesus is like, Matthew, I don't want you to join a religion. I want you to join a movement. Write down the word somewhere on your notes today, movement. We're a part of this movement of God in Jesus Christ when we follow Christ. 
And that's what Matthew became a part of. And we read his book here in the New Testament and we say, wow. So Matthew, earlier in life, he'd heard the ethical teachings of Jesus. He'd heard what I just unpacked several weeks ago for about nine weeks, the Sermon on the Mount. He was there and he heard that. And I believe those teachings begin to pierce the heart of Matthew. As I speak every weekend to you, my prayer is that the, the word goes forth. And Isaiah says, my word never returns void. It means you make a decision every time you hear the word of God. You hear it from me. You hear it from your Bible teacher. You hear it in your small group. You hear it on the radio. You hear it on TV. You have to do something with it. And Jesus goes, let it pierce your heart. And here's these sinners, these, these people that are, uh, you know, Matthew. You know, I, I wish we had pictures of these guys. I'm wondering, was, was Matthew, was he kind of a geeky guy? He had like a pocket protector and some markers in his front pocket. I don't think so. I, I don't know what he looked like. Didn't really matter. All I know was his character wasn't the best. I mean, he's just ripping people off. And, and yet, I look at this very first thing, and Jesus says, hey, Matt, come. Come with me. And the scripture says he stood up, and he followed after Christ. I, I love that. And, and then he, so Jesus goes, and he eats at his house. And it's not just Matthew there. There's a bunch of shady characters show up at Matthew's house. Now, I don't know, but I bet Matthew had a big house. How, what do y'all think? I mean, I bet Matthew had like an eight-bedroom, seven-bath, four-car camel garage. I, I don't know. I mean, this guy was wealthy, you know. I bet, he, I bet he had a big old family room. I bet he could just open up the, the doors and let the sunlight come in. They were having a feast, and, and yet they were like, what? This guy, Jesus, he, like, Jesus, you're calling him? He's like scum, Jesus. And then he has these shady characters, and, and there's like, man, I don't know. I, I don't want to be like him. He's, you know, I, I wouldn't pick him. But, you know, I thought about that. Jesus always picks the people that people, nobody else wants. I mean, I think about my life. Man, Jesus picked me. I'm like, me? I mean, like, what, what's special about me? I'm made in the image of God. But Christ picked me when I was deep in the woods, in the weeds of sin. And Christ called me out of that life to follow him. I'm like, Jesus, I'm glad you like rough characters. How many of you today are glad Jesus likes rough characters? I'm looking back there at somebody in this room right now that I won't look at. And they used to be a rough character with your pastor. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I almost threw him under the bus, but I won't. Okay. Barriers here about Jesus. Matthew had to overcome. Well, what are people going to say? I've been ripping them off and... And now I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm hanging around these people. And we have all kinds of excuses. When we won't share Jesus with others, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I, I, I don't know what to tell other people. I'm afraid I'll be criticized. I'm embarrassed. Uh, and then Matthew's going, hey, I'm a cheater. I've been, I've been ripping people off, and I've been taking a lot for my own little, you know, that's when we got this multi-level house here. And I'm just, but yet other people of the night of the day, they just showed up at Matthew's house. And there's this commentary here. They're like, what? He's acting cozy with him. He's drawn close to him. And I like what Eugene, look down there about 12, 13 on your outline. Who needs a doctor? I mean, do you go to a doctor when you're healthy? I know you go, well, yeah, I'll get a checkup. Okay, outside your checkup. I mean, all these little dock in the boxes we see all over Montgomery that keep just cropping up like every day. They just keep producing and they're everywhere. I mean, you go there when you're what? When you're sick. Like we're coming up on that time of the year, flu season and and, you know, you'll go see the doc and you, you'll want to get help. Well, here's Matthew. What does he do? 
I think from reading the, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew becomes devoted to Christ. He grows spiritually. He teaches people about Christ. And I just want to say a, a side margin if I can. Jesus is calling you and me this morning to live in the scandalous grace of God and to be overwhelmed with it and to go out and to express and share it with other people. And I understand when you hang around people of the world that don't profess in Christ, they don't talk like us. Matter of fact, I'm a preacher and a lot of times people don't know I'm a preacher and they say words and, and I've heard them. I don't say them anymore, but, but, but I hear them, and, 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 then when, and then they finally say, what is it you do? I go, I'm a pastor. And, man, they, like, choke on their tongue, and they're like, I'm like and there's tongue tied, and I just laugh. I mean, it, it, you know, and i just like, man, you, like, that's what the world does. And, and then they dress differently, and, 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 and then they have different behaviors, and on and on. And then, and then you get in this whole living arrangement, and they don't necessarily believe in covenant marriage. And so they just have lots of lovers, and they live places. See, why well, I don't want the kids in here today. And, uh, and it's just like, man, it just gets a little crazy. And when you're out there in the world, or you're out there with your family or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? But that's where we got to go. How many think we've got to go to the world and to live the gospel before people that need Christ? That's what this passage talks about. Jesus is so in love with these crooked, crazy, messed up people, and he's right there in the middle of it. And as I was reading this, I've read this so many times, but this week I said, Lord, I need some messed up friends. <laughs> and some of you are saying, you could be my friend, I'm messed up. Oh, I already know that. But, but no, no, I don't know. I'm just wondering, what if everybody in here decided to try to find somebody far from Christ and you began to pray and invest and invite them to follow Christ over this next year? What would this place look like a year from now? Man, we would probably have some people that had some real testimonies of grace because the scandalous grace of Jesus breaks in and changes hearts. I love that. So what did they do here? In those days, they didn't have a table and chairs like we did. They had like a pillows. And they would, they would sit down on the floor and they would like prop themselves up with a, an elbow on the pillow and their feet would like hang out. And then they would sit there and they'd have conversation and with that one hand they would reach over there and they'd get a little grub and they would eat. Matter of fact, I want you to turn over to, to uh, Luke. Can you turn over to Luke chapter 7? Let's just look there. I want to show you several gospel accounts. Luke 7, starting in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. Now this is a real religious zealot leader of the day and when a certain immoral woman found from that city heard he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume and then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping her tears fell on his feet weeping her tears fell there she wiped them off with her hair and then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them and then look at verse 39 and when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Underline that in your Bible. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Uh-oh. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned the money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both. 
canceling their debts. And who do you suppose loved him the more after that? I love the answer. Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me squat. No, you didn't. I put that in there. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. And you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table sat there among themselves. Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't you love that story? I read that story and I see this woman that is messed up, that has a story, that has a past, and I see a Savior that reaches out to her. But I see a woman that acknowledges and identifies and sees her sin and sees how magnificent this Savior, how awesome Jesus is. And you know what I wondered? This woman came prepared to give an offering. She came prepared and presented the alabaster, and she washed his feet. And then she didn't have a towel. She dried his feet with her hair. I look at that, and she's overwhelmed with emotion. And it lets me know, write this down, Jesus accepts us as we are. Jesus accepted this woman just like she was. But you know what else I know Jesus accepts? He accepts our worship. And this woman, oh my goodness, she worshiped. Oh man, she was awesome. And we've been reading this story for years and the fragrance of her devotion filled the house. And the fragrance of the devotion of this woman fills the temple today across the world. As people tell the story about the woman that loved Jesus. The woman that had a past. But you know, Simon, he's got his little icy, caustic disapproval. Do you know what kind of woman she is? That's like you come to church and, and one of you has been working really, let's say Adam has been working really hard to get somebody to come to church and, and they're really, I mean, they're a doozy, okay? And they come in and you go, woohoo! And, and they come in and then we all look at them with disdain and judge them. Oh, they really feel loved, don't they? You know, that's what I love about you and I love about our church. People come as they are. You know? Sometimes I see people and they come in and they got tattoos. They start right here on the finger and they run up the arm and they come up here on the neck. They got, they got piercings and, you know, I'm not into all that, but they come in and you go, glory, glory. And, and you know what? And, and then you got somebody, they come in, they might be homeless and they might be up and up and they might be down and out and they got this and they got that. Man, Jesus says, come, doesn't he? And Jesus wants us to reach out to everybody in the world. Man, this is, this is just a message I pray that it'll just make us think about Jesus. Who is it that you want me to invite? Because you love sinners. You love people that are far from you. And, and Jesus, is, Jesus is not so much about dealing with the law. Jesus wants to deal with the heart. Write that down. Jesus wants to deal with your heart and mine. Our hearts mean everything to Jesus. It's the seed of our emotions, the seed of who we are. 
It's where we form our character. It's who we are, but yet pride and hypocrisy and harsh, judgmental attitudes, self-righteousness, coldness, lack of generosity, all that fills people in the church and outside the church. Somebody once said, so many people don't come to Christ because of the people inside the church. Man, God, don't let it be true of this church. Let it be that we're a church that just loves Christ and we love all mankind and we go, you've taken a little different journey than I have, but let's begin the journey with Christ together. You know, one of the things that thrills me is when I walk out of here and I see y'all huddle up and, and I'll see a guest come in and somebody will walk over to him and say, just it happened about five weeks ago, I was back here in the back and a lady came over to me and she was telling me, she goes, man, I think I like this place, <laughs> you know, because I'm kind of partial. I'm like, yeah, I like it too. And, uh, and she goes, I think I'd like to come back. And about that time, I turned to introduce her to some other women. And, man, they went, Whoop! and they just started loving up on her. And every time I see her now, she goes, oh, I just love these people here. They're so sweet. They smell good and all this, you know. I'm like, that's awesome. Isn't that the church? Now, if you came in and nobody spoke to you and, you know, they were doing this when you walked in, <laughs> I wouldn't come back either. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of times we do this as preachers. We, we judge about if we're friendly and welcoming. When people come in, I hope you welcome them. And the church said, amen, man, hey, this is God's house. This is a house for sinners. Don't you feel good about it? You're like, well, I'm sitting next to a sinner. Yeah, I'm glad the sinners get to come here. Well, you're a hypocrite, okay? You need to come too. Look in here. Jesus, he knows we're sinners and he loves us. Let me, let me tell you another story here. Turn over to Luke 15. And i got to put this on the fast track because I could do this for all day, but I won't. Luke 15, it's the quick three-parable succession of the three lost things. And preachers love to preach on this. And this is, you know, there's a, the whole lost coin, uh, you know, here. And, and, and as you look at it, the, the, these people, and, and, and so, you know, they're, they're, first of all, there's the there's 100 sheep, and there's the 99 that are lost, and they go, and they go after the one. And Jesus is saying, hey, I, want to, I care about the one. And it's a great story for you and always to be about who's the one, who's the one. Just write in your Bible or write in your notes, who's the one? Who's the one Jesus is calling me to go after? So Jesus, uh, he's always having fellowship with people. So he goes after the one. And you got the whole parable of the lost coin. They turn the house upside down. They find the, the coin. And, and the person rejoices. And it's kind of a, a, a cool deal here. But what I want you to see here on your outline Look at Luke 15, 1 through 32, right at the bottom of your outline. These stories get embalmed, they get engulfed, they get smothered with grace. And you know, that's what Christ wants to do today. He just wants to smother us with his love. He, he just wants to overwhelm about how great he is. Because in this one that we talk about so much is the parable of the lost son. And it's a great passage. And there's the prodigal, and you know, he, he claims his possession, and he wants all his stuff, and his father gives it to him. And he has no right to it, because you don't really get it till you die. But his father does just the opposite. He gives him, he goes ahead and uh, gives him this great part of the estate. And so he gives him an answer that nobody expects. And, he, and the boy goes off into the far country, and he's a, he goes to Las Vegas. That's what it says in the Greek. And uh, it's like Vegas. I don't know, man. There's like serious sin where this guy go. And like, he's like a party animal. Like everybody had money. Everybody had drinks. They're partying. And he loses everything. And where does the Bible say he ends up in a, in a pig's pen? Not a very good place for a Jew, okay? Just think about it for a minute. And it's just despicable. I mean, it's just hard. But he comes to his senses, to his senses and then he decides to go back home. Now, this is a guy that had demanded 
I want this. I will take it. I, I, I deserve this. Yeah, whatever. You deserve hell. And, uh, and so he goes back home. And I love when the Scripture talks about what he does. So he begins to make his journey back home. Look at verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. They don't have to eat with the pigs. Verse 18, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and his father shut the door and said, Quick, he's a crook. Let's don't have any fellowship with him. You know what it says? I mean, here, here's this thug. He's coming home. Lock the doors, mama, because he's going to steal everything when he gets here. You know what it says? It says he looked, and with compassion, he ran out. Do you know that patriarchs, they didn't run? He went totally, it was the scandalous grace of God. He went, he shocked everybody when he ran out over and he got his son. And he embraced him and he kills the fatted calves and he gets ready for the big party. And then what does the brother do? Hey, what's going on about your dad? They're having a party, man. Your dad has just killed the biggest fatted calf. He ain't even ever give me a goat. See, the, 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 this, this brother, he's so into himself. He acted like maybe he had a relationship with his dad. I don't know. I can't judge his heart. But I know that the Father in this picture, I see this picture of grace, and I go, man, God loves people that are far from him. But when they come to their senses and they admit that they need to go back home, he receives them. That's the story of grace this morning. Jesus, right where you are, I don't care what you've done, how far you are from Christ. This morning, Jesus says, I love you. I want, I want you to come back home. I want to smud you with my grace. I want to give you my best robe. I want to put it on you. So this son had, had squandered, he'd partied, he just had done everything he could to wreck. But he, he knew that he needed his father. And he was welcomed back into the house. And this morning, the father's welcoming us as I, as I look at this story and how we can look at grace. And, uh, and I, I, my thought is, can grace still astonish you? See, grace astonished this brother, this son. He was over, overcome with emotion, I bet. And, and to know that his father, even though he had done everything wrong and had demanded and had sinned against God and against his family, his father said, come. There's a place for you at the table. There's a, there's a place for you here. And this morning, I, I look at this and I just go, God, I, I, you, you're a friend of sinners. So look at it right here. Jesus, you're a friend to sinners. Don't, don't you love that thought today? Jesus is a friend to sinners. Say that with me. Jesus, you are a friend to sinners. Look at the next one. Jesus never declined dinner invitations. When I read the gospel stories and accounts of Jesus, he's always being invited to the house. And every time it goes, and Jesus went to their house. Wouldn't you love it if Jesus said, hey, I want to come to your house today. Remember when he told Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. And they all made fun of him. And so many times Jesus would show up with these people that were questionable in the eyes of the world. And Jesus said, I want to I go there. I care for them. And I bet they had theological and Bible study and discussions, and they talked about their sin. And it was just amazing what happened there. But Jesus didn't decline those. He invites us to those places. Look at the third one. Jesus invites sinners to follow him. It's you and me. 
He invites people of the world. He invites people far from him. He invites people that are getting closer to him, people that are close to him, just to follow him every day, to give him their heart, just to yield to him. And there's a section there in Mark. If you turn over to the Gospel of Mark, the second chapter. Can you turn there? Verse 13 to 17. And then Jesus went to the lake shore again. He taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Didn't he tell somebody else that just a minute ago? Didn't he tell Matt that? He told Matthew that. And later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. And you think you're righteous? Hmm. The only righteousness you can have is the righteousness of Jesus and be clothed in him. Outside of that, man, you're just a filthy, ragged, wretched, dirty sinner. Doesn't sound very nice, does it? And yet... In this culture, it's highly um, secular and extremely immoral. I mean, it's just, uh, and then you've got these, uh, uh, these religious leaders, and they're all about morality, and they create all these extra laws to be really good uh, religious leaders in the temple. But man, their heart is so far from God. They, they profess something with their lips, but their hearts are sick. They're dead. And this morning, Christ is trying to draw us near that he's a friend of sinners and i get excited about that that here's the scandal of the gospel god loves sinners he's he's the friend of sinners so here it is jesus invites sinners to follow him look at the last one jesus then issues just a personal invitation we read stories in scripture that jesus invites a lot of times tax collectors and prostitutes and wretched wicked people to follow him but things hadn't really changed because this morning Jesus is still inviting us to follow after him. Just to, to come and come as we are and uh, to say, you know what, I'm calling sinners to repentance. I'm, I'm calling sinners to, to embrace the gospel. I'm, I'm calling sinners to embrace the goodness of my son, says the Father. Because we're, we're just, you know what, we're just dead. We're dead in our sin without Christ. But when we are in Christ, when we identify with Christ, when Christ invades our life, we are alive. Is that good news, church? You were once dead in your sin, and now you are alive in the power of the gospel. I go, oh, that's awesome. You, you are alive in Christ. That's the heart of Jesus. I go back to that woman what a past. And Jesus redeems her past. Has Jesus redeemed your past? Has he redeemed your present? Has he redeemed your future? There's a future for you and me this morning in Christ. You know, the Pharisees, they're, uh, they're always going to be. We read about them in Scripture, and they're, they're, I guess they're nice people in somebody's camp. <laughs> they're definitely moralistic. And they have a lot of laws and rules and regulations, but they somehow strain out the gospel. 
And they neglect the greater. They neglect Jesus. And like Simon, when he was just, just had an attitude. You, you ever had an attitude before? <laughs> Gets you in trouble, doesn't it? And Jesus is just inviting us to draw near to him and receive the forgiveness. That woman says, you know, I'm a sinner. I've defiled Jesus, but I will worship. I will worship the lamb. I'll worship Christ. And I love, as I told you earlier, maybe you missed it, she did bring a gift that day. She did, she was prepared to worship. And I think about you. What do you bring to worship? It's a great question. Just write it today. It just came to me. The Holy Spirit's just giving me that. What did you bring to worship today? I brought me. Okay. What did you bring to worship? Just, just ask the Lord to show you this week. I read this and I love it. Who needs a doctor, healthy or sick? Sinners do. And I like that Jesus says, I see you in your sin, but I call you by name. The enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. Liar, adulterer, tormentor, whatever. He just, the enemy always calls you by your sin, but I like it when Jesus says, Keith. Susan, Michelle, Hun, Tullus, Bob, Nancy, Jack. What just happened when I said that? Some of you are like, I hope he's not calling me. Oh, but I hope Jesus is calling you. That's the story of grace this morning. It's, it's, just, it's just overwhelming. And I'm just going to kind of wrap it up there that Jesus issues this personal invitation and it comes down to this. I think it's going to come up on the, on the screen. I, I, lo I love this passage. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. One translation says, I will come in and sup with you and him with me. You know what? Jesus knocks today. Do you hear the knock of Christ? Do you hear the gentle shepherd saying, that message today is for you. My grace is all you need. Receive it by faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is so good to be in your house, a house of prayer and a house of worship. And I love that you desire to come in and dwell and rule and reign in our lives and our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, and be Lord of my life today. I receive you, Christ Jesus, by faith this morning. I turn from my sin and I trust in the riches of Christ and not myself. And Lord, I love when the pastor read that story about you go running for the son. The father's looking for you today. He'll greet you the same way. What a mighty God we serve. Will you meet this Christ? Will you walk with this Jesus?